Welcome to the Becoming Witchy Podcast. I'm your host, Kelly, of Bramble and Brimstone. Join me and my guests as we share witchy tips, aha moments, tools, and resources that have helped us on our way, and as we discuss how magic shows up in our everyday. This podcast is here to encourage and support you on your own witchy way. Welcome to episode six of the Becoming Witchy Podcast. Thank you so much for joining me for our first holiday episode. We're going to talk about the winter solstice and Yule today, so we'll cover some of the history, the lore, and ways to celebrate. Before we get started, let's take a moment to reflect on last episode's card pull, which was from the Flower Essences deck. We drew Holly, whose message was loving and inclusive gestures to others, heartfelt compassion, and ability to express gratitude for others. So that episode was released right before Thanksgiving, and this year we were able to travel to see my parents and spend some time with them. And they just moved, so we were able to help them with some unpacking and organizing. And during COVID, I really just wasn't able to visit my parents very much. So for the past few years, I haven't seen them that much at all. So it was really great. Um, just to be able to spend time with them and to help them around the house and to give them hugs. So that's how this card showed up for me in this comforting and loving visit with my parents, which since COVID I know is something that's not to be taken for granted. Um, So I just feel grateful for all the time that I got to spend with them this uh, Thanksgiving. So I hope the Holly card also sent you some gratitude and warmth and comfort. Welcome to the Seasonal Corner! It's December. December is the darkest month, literally the fewest hours of daylight, and it's when everything stops growing here. Um, It's also just, it's so dark. This week, I'm recording this on Thursday, and there's been no sun since Sunday, so it's just been a really tough, dark week, and that's kind of how this month is, but it's also a month where I start feeling hopeful. (laughs) It's the last month of the year, and it's usually when I start taking stock of everything that's happened this year, and I think about what I'm looking forward to in the new year. I'm going to read you part of what I wrote for my newsletter this month because it really sums up how I feel about December. Welcome to December. For me, December is a month that makes me hopeful. It's a time to look back on the past year, to think about everything I'm grateful for, and think of everything I'm excited for in the new year. This is the month when seed catalogs come out and we start planning everything we want to grow come spring. The winter solstice, the longest night, restarts the cycle of the year. From December 21st onward, each day will be longer as the wheel of the year turns towards spring and new beginnings. But let's not forget, December is also the month with the darkest night, And on the winter solstice, I also like to take some time to sit and think about everything I want to let go of in the new year. Any insecurities or baggage that I can let melt away in the growing sunlight. So even though this is the darkest month, the winter solstice does signal the return of light and the sun. In these great cycles of nature, at every ending, there's a new beginning and an opportunity for growth. And when we look at the opposite side of the year, 
the wheel of the year, which is happening in the southern hemisphere right now, the summer solstice, it's the longest day of the year and a celebration of warmth and light. Um, but it's also a signal of shorter days coming ahead and the coming of cooler and darker days and just an ending. And it's important to remember this cycle, that this is all part of a cycle. And now at winter here in the Northern Hemisphere, at the end of the year, when it's cold and dark, we might be feeling a little bit depressed or a little bit sluggish. I know I am, but this is a cycle. It's a circle. It's not a line. Things will restart. So remember to rest now in the darkness so that we all have energy to grow with the return of the sun. All right, on to the main topic. Let's talk about winter solstice and Yule. The winter solstice is an astrological event that occurs when one of the Earth's poles reaches the maximum tilt away from the sun. And it happens twice a year in December in the Northern Hemisphere and in June in the Southern Hemisphere. The day that it occurs has the shortest period of daylight. And when whatever pole is tilted away has complete darkness for the whole day. So in the Northern Hemisphere, the further north you are, the shorter your daylight hours will be. So because this has physical effects on a global scale, especially on agriculture and on food growing seasons. It's a day that's been celebrated or at least observed for thousands of years by pretty much every culture around the world. And there are many ancient sites in existence that demonstrate that the solstices and equinoxes were marked by ancient people all over the world. And this is really interesting. I really love that we have this tangible evidence um, that these were celebrated in the past. A few that specifically uh, marked the winter solstice are Newgrange in Ireland, which is a one-acre earthen mound with inner stone passages and chambers, and this site dates to the Stone Age. It's over 5,000 years old, and at sunrise on the winter solstice, the rising sun lights up with the inner chamber. There's also Mayshow, I think that's how you say it, in the Orkney Isles of Scotland. So. It's very far north. The days are very short there near the winter solstice. And this is also an earthen mound with an inner stone chamber and passageways. And its inner chamber is lit by the sun on the winter solstice. There's also in Luxor, Egypt, at the temple Karnak, the sun rises on the winter solstice and falls on the sanctuary to the sun god Amun-Ra. And in New Mexico at Chaco Canyon, They have petroglyphs uh, that are hit by the sun, and I think moonlight also, that mark the winter solstice. So we can't know exactly how all these sites were used or all of the reasons they were built, but if nothing else, we do know that these sites would have acted as calendars to help keep track of time and seasons, to let people know when to start planting seeds or when the last harvest might be. And I think we really forget how life or death these natural cycles used to be. And I mean, they still are, right? As climate change starts affecting the length of each season, we see an impact on our food supplies. And these sites really show us that tracking these natural cycles was so important and still is so important. 
And we also forget just how terrifying and dangerous complete and total darkness is. It's a hard concept, I think, for us to understand now. In modern times, we don't get to experience darkness like the ancients did. We have light pollution almost everywhere. We can easily turn on a light with a switch. Even if we don't have electricity, we can light a match or a lighter in an instant to give us some light. So think about only having moon and starlight. If it was cloudy or if it was a new moon, it would just be so dark. And near the winter solstice, that darkness would last for a lot longer, and it would really restrict your activity. There's only been one time in my life where I've been in complete, all-encompassing darkness, and that was in a cave. So I visited Mammoth Caves, which is a really extensive cave system in Kentucky, and at one point underground during our tour, the tour guide turned off all the lights, and we were deep underground, literally no light coming from anywhere, and it was so disorienting. It's different than just shutting your eyes. And the longer the darkness went on, the more dissociative it became. Um, like, understanding where you were was so weird and crazy feeling. So, on the winter solstice, the longest night, I like to try to think about how this darkness would have influenced ancient people. It helps me, I think, understand how important the sun and longer days would have been. So when I do my solstice ritual, I always incorporate darkness as part of it. Because even though this holiday celebrates the return of the light, I think it's also really important to embrace it as the longest night. Darkness makes you turn inward and get reflective. It helps you face all of the thoughts that normally you might keep hidden from yourself. So you can start to clear all of those away. For most of the holidays around this time, a lot of the core mythology or themes trace back to that of the winter solstice, this idea of darkness and a returning light, a renewal and rebirth. And Yule is one of these holidays, and honestly, it's one of my favorites. I always think of Yule as kind of spooky, and really this whole time of year, but I think for Yule it's because it's just so dark this time of year, and Yule also has origins in North mythology and the ghostly wild hunt and all of the really kind of dark lore that surrounds it. So Yule is derived from the Norse word Yol and would have been a festival that lasted for around 12 days. Because this is a Norse or Germanic holiday, a lot of the lore is based in Norse mythology. I don't know if any listeners are Assassin's Creed fans, but I sure am. So I played Valhalla when it came out, which is uh, all based on Norse mythology and legends. And during December of the year that it came out, there was a Yule Festival storyline. And it was so interesting. And I actually learned a lot. And there was a whole storyline about Yule goats, which was the first time I'd heard of Yule goats. I just really recommend the game. And this is just proof that you can learn about things in the strangest places. So anyways, this was just a video ta game tangent uh, brought to you by Assassin's Creed Valhalla. And I'm just kidding. It's They're not a sponsor. Assassin's Creed does not sponsor this podcast. Um, but now I'll get back to the topic. Um, I'm just going to be dropping some fun little Yule lore facts for you. So first up, we have the Yule Goat. 
This is now commonly seen as a decoration around uh, this time of year, and it's made of straw, and it's usually decorated with red ribbons. The exact origins of it aren't really known, but the Norse god Thor had two goats that pulled his chariot around, and he could eat these goats, and the next day they would regenerate completely unharmed, brand new, same goats. And so this sort of pairs with uh, this theme this rebirthing theme, uh, this return of the sun uh, of the winter solstice. And so this might be why the goat is sort of symbolic of Yule. And in Sweden each year, they still erect a huge Yule goat statue. If the Yule goat isn't enough for you, never fear because there is a Yule cat. This is an Icelandic cryptid that was a giant cat that would eat lazy humans that hadn't helped with all of the chores and preparations for winter. And I love this idea. This is such a cat thing to do. Eat the lazy humans, and it reminds me of the last episode of Sandman. And its origins might stem from the myths of the large Norwegian forest cats that pulled the chariot of the Norse goddess Freya. And I actually have my own Yule cat with me right now, Ansel. I, I mentioned her in the last episode. She sits with me for the recording of every podcast episode, and she's sitting here calmly, quietly right now. I call her the producer, and she's still on it, so giving her a shout out. There's also an Odin connection that we're going to talk about. So Odin, Norse god, the Allfather, was the leader of the Wild Hunt. The Wild Hunt was made up of ghostly hunters that might sweep you up to join their ranks if you stayed out too late on a cold winter's night. Odin was known to ride an eight-legged horse called Sleipnir, and you might already be thinking what I'm thinking. Did Sleipnir, the eight-legged horse, turn into eight reindeer? Is Odin the origin of Santa? I don't think anyone has made that uh, a fact yet, but I like to think it's true. I love the idea of a spooky one-eyed Odin as Santa just so much. There's also the infamous Yule Log. Nowadays, it's more common to bake a Yule Log, which is just, it's like a rolled cake similar to a Swiss roll. The cake is usually chocolate to resemble a log, and it's rolled with an icing filling to help it all stick together. But originally, the Yule log would have been a huge tree-sized log forged from the forest and meant to burn for the whole 12-day festival of Yule. And a piece of the Yule log would be kept to start the fire on the next Yule, thus contributing to this cycle of death and rebirth the remnants of last year's fire, bringing the light back for the new year. And really, this practice of emulating the rebirth of the sun and the recognition of the natural cycle is the main purpose of Yule, I think, and really of all pagan holidays. It's a time to recognize, notice, and reflect on the changes that are occurring in nature and realize that we're part of nature. We're connected to and influenced by this cycle. One thing I like to do to feel connected to nature during this time and to go out and observe all these seasonal changes is to go for a walk and collect things to make a garland with. 
So I usually gather fallen pine cones, fallen evergreen branches, brambles from dead plants, seed pods, acorns, really just whatever I can find on my walk. And I take time to notice what the air smells like, what the plants look like, what animals I see and hear. And I like to string these collected things up with some orange and apple slices that I dry, and I make it into a festive garland that I string up over my fireplace. And this garland holds all of the seasonal cues of winter directly from the nature surrounding me, and it's symbolic of the winter season in my area. So you can make one of these two to be symbolic of whatever winter looks like where you are. Uh, I usually end up burning this garland on Imolk, which is February 1st, if the weather's nice enough, or at the spring equinox at the end of March. And I do this as an act of leaving winter behind and reawakening the spring. Welcome to the Rituals That Work segment! So, this ritual is for a winter solstice, which falls on December 21st this year. And this year the winter solstice also aligns with the new moon. The new moon is just a day or two after, I think, so the winter solstice will be just the tiniest little sliver of a waning crescent. This is really exciting because it's going to be super dark. And the new moon and the waning moon cycles are really good times to let go of things you don't need anymore, to put them to rest so you can get ready to start something new. And this energy really aligns with this ritual that I do for winter solstice. So we're going to use the moon power to sort of superpower this spell. This spell is designed to be done after sunset on the solstice, and it does involve burning paper. I usually do this in a fire or candle outdoors because I live in an area where this is usually safe to light fires outside, but if it's not safe in your area or you can't do this, you can always bury your papers or place them in a river to flow away from you. So for this ritual, you'll need two sheets of paper, a fire or candle, something to write with, and a flashlight for safety. I usually do the first part of the spell inside and the second part where I burn the paper outside over a fire. So just whatever you do, make sure you're doing it safely with fire safety in mind. So for the first part, you're going to want to try to find as dark of a place as you can. For me, this is usually inside a room in my house with all the blinds down and all the lights in the house off. Make sure you have your flashlight nearby so you can turn it on to get up so you don't trip. Close your eyes and sit in the darkness and quiet, and start by taking three deep breaths to calm and ground yourself. And after a few moments of just sitting and breathing, reflect on everything that happened over the past year. All the wins and all the losses. On one piece of paper, write down all of the moments that brought you joy. I like to take a deep breath when I write these down to let them uh, fill me up. And on the other piece of paper, write down the losses or the things that didn't go to plan. Any energy or habits or feelings that you want to leave behind. And I like to breathe out when I write these. 
and let them go out into the darkness. And don't worry about writing clearly or in straight lines in the darkness. The writing practice is just creating a tangible aspect of this meditation. The paper you wrote, everything you're grateful for, can be folded up and placed in your compost or buried in the ground so that it can nurture and support further growth. Visualize a strong, healthy plant growing out of the paper as you do this. With the paper, you wrote down things to let go of. Take your scissors and cut each one out. Take them to your fire or candle outside and burn each one, or toss them into a river. Visualize letting go of each one as it disappears and feel it vanish from your body. You're no longer burdened by these things. They're gone. Visualize all of the new space you have created in your mind to fill up with new experiences. I like to visualize the things I let go of as boxes stacked against the windows in my mind, and as they burn or drift away, light shines through the windows and I can see out them into new opportunities. Take a while to sit by the fire or candle and appreciate its light and warmth. So before the episode draw, I just want to have a little housekeeping. This will probably be the last episode of the year, and we'll start back up the first week of January. In that episode, we're going to talk about New Year magic, and I'll share the tarot spread I do each year. And I just want to thank you all so much for joining me this first season of the Becoming Witchy podcast. I can't wait to talk to you all in the new year. Okay, welcome to the episode draw segment. We are using the my cat tarot deck, and we're going to shuffle and draw a card for the message that we need um, for this episode. <laughs> okay. All right, we got the Nine of Swords reversed. So uh, this is, the Nine of Swords is often seen as sort of a difficult card. Um, The Nine of Swords reversed is, it can be often read as releasing worry, releasing doubt, and releasing anxiety. So actually this, uh, this goes along with the ritual from this week, actually. Um, So this is a message that maybe your anxiety or your worry isn't really grounded in reality. You might be psyching yourself up. um, And this anxiety and this fear is something that we need to let go of. So really think hard about what anxiety and fear is living inside you? How is it preventing you from doing things that you love or accomplishing goals that you want to? Um, how is it taking away from your joy? What could you do or bring into your life? What joy could you have if you let go of some of this worry and let go of some of this anxiety? So this is this is a message to do this solstice ritual where you think about all the things that you want to let go of, that you want to be free from. And this card also tells us um, that 
you might need encouragement to do this, to think about this. Um, you might need positive reinforcement. So look to your friends, look to your family, uh, your partner, tell them about some of your worries or anxieties that you have. And, you know, a lot of times when we share our anxieties or our worries with someone that we love, they help us see that it's not really that big of a deal. They help us find solutions. Um, it seems less scary when we do that, when we share with others. So keep that in mind too. Um, yeah, this, <laughs> I was surprised to get this card. Um, but yeah, I think this does go really well with the ritual that we have as a way to let go of any worry or anxiety that you have. Um, don't be so hard on yourself either. Um, it's okay to be anxious and it's okay to be worried uh, and unsure, but it's good to work with others, share these feelings that we have. They'll help us move past them. They'll support us to move through them. Um, and practice letting them go. Practice this holding yourself when you're feeling this way and think about where your anxiety and your worry lives in your body. And, and I like to imagine it as like a color and I find it, maybe it's in like my back and my back hurts because of it. And I'll take a breath in to breathe in some good air. And then when I exhale, I imagine that I'm exhaling that color, that energy, that worry, that anxiety that I have. And it's leaving my body and my breath. And that's a really good way to practice sort of letting go of your anxiety or your worry um, that you might be holding on to. So Nine of Swords reversed, a card to tell us it's time to release our worry, our doubt, our anxiety. It's time to let go of it so that we can move forward and we can have better experiences going forward. So I wish you luck on releasing your anxiety and worry. I know it's something I always have to practice, so I'm actually looking forward to this winter solstice ritual to let go of some of this anxiety, some of these doubts that I have, a lot of self-doubt, and to think about the new things that I can fill those spaces with. So I hope that you all have a wonderful rest of December, a wonderful winter solstice in Yule, and I will talk to you in the new year. Thanks for listening to the Becoming Witchy podcast. Do you have questions on your Becoming Witchy journey or topics you'd like to hear discussed on the podcast? Send us an email at podcast at brambleandbrimstone.com. If you're interested in our newsletter, head over to our show notes to find the Bramble and Brimstone Instagram where you can sign up. We would love for you to join our coven community. If you enjoyed this episode and would like to support the podcast, please rate and review us. It helps others find the podcast and we so appreciate your support.